MSW Media. Well, pour yourself a glass, sit for a spill. It's time to have some fun. Let's do a little thinking, some picking and a drinking. But this is what we're drinking with Dan Dunn. drinking is Rabbit Hole, a Kentucky brand that launched their whiskey just a few years ago in 2016 and was an instant hit among whiskey files like myself. And in just a few minutes, we're going to hear from Kavazamanian, Rabbit Hole's CEO, founder, and whiskey maker. He's going to tell us about how he started the brand, how it became so successful so quickly, and what's next, including a just-released product unlike anything Rabbit Hole has put out before going to hear about it here first. And then a little bit later, we're going to check in with actor Harry Lennox, our good buddy. He's been on the show before. He stars on NBC's The Blacklist. I'm going to see what Harry's been up to during quarantine. He's in New York City, the epicenter. But he's okay, and we're going to talk to him. Right now, I'm sipping an old-fashioned made with Rabbit Hole's Boxer Grail Kentucky Straight Rye Whiskey and Dale DeGroff's Pimento Aromatic Bitters. And it is delicious. I'm gonna... hmm. All right, let me tell you how to make this. You're going to take one teaspoon of Demerara sugar, two dashes of Dale's Bitters. You're going to muddle an orange slice and a cherry. You'll add two ounces of, of the Rabbit Hole Straight Rye. And you're going to stir it. You'll add a little ice and you'll stir it again. And you'll garnish it with a lemon peel and you'll be happy. It will make you so happy, I promise. Also, a reminder that every Thursday from 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern Time, I host a live stream called Nightcap Live presented by Flaviar. We've had some great guests and we got some great guests on top. It's, it's fun. It's a good way to spend some time when you're home waiting to get back out. Again, that's Nightcap Live every Thursday from 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern Time on Flaviar's YouTube channel. For more info on that and to see some pictures, pretty pictures, you can go check out my Instagram. It's at the Imbiber, T-H-E-I-M-B-I-B-E-R, at the Imbiber. And there you have it. For the past few years, I've been collecting stories from bartenders for a book that I plan to publish someday. Bars, you see, are found on every continent and every culture, and the quickest path to a good time typically runs straight through them. They are temples of the id, a cultural pressure valve that keeps society from driving itself crazy, which is why crazy things always tend to happen in bars, and why bartenders have the best stories, and why I want people to hear those stories. So I was looking through some of the stuff that I have on my computer. And one of these stories really jumped out at me as being particularly relevant right now in light of what's going on. It was told to me by my buddy, Eric Tikoski, who's affectionately known as E.T. And uh, E.T. served as the bar manager at Jones Hollywood from 2001 to 2016. 
He's the founder of Dirty Sue Premium Olive Juice, and he's also a brand ambassador for Jack Daniels. The story he told me is called September, and I'd like to share it with you. Again, this is in as told by, by Eric Tukoski. So here it goes. People don't go to bars to drink so much as they go to be with people. A night out can be as simple as meeting a friend to catch up or as life-changing as proposing to your future wife. You might be with a big group or enjoying an evening alone with other people around. The part of bartending I most enjoy is trying to figure out a person's why and then helping them achieve it in whatever way I can. Sometimes it's as simple as pouring a drink. Other times it's breaking the ice on a blind date, cheering up someone who just got laid off, or letting a guy know that the woman he's speaking to would rather be left alone. I love showing up for work every day with no idea what I'll be doing but knowing that it's going to matter, even if only to one person. In 2001, I'd been working at Jones Hollywood for about six months when I covered a midday shift for a co-worker. The rush was just ending when a middle-aged couple came in for a leisurely late lunch. They ordered a killer bottle of champagne, and when I brought it, I asked if they were celebrating something. Turns out they'd spent the morning at a nearby hospital where their first grandchild had been born. They showed me pictures of the newly minted nuclear family, and I recognized their son as a regular. They asked if I'd have a glass of bubbly with them, and with the place slowing down and my shift almost over, I figured I couldn't say no. We ended up sitting for a couple hours, talking about life, death, babies, and everything else under the sun. The two of them wearing the kind of permagrins on their faces that nothing can fade. When they left, they made me promise to be at their grandchild's first birthday. In the warm embrace of new friends and great champagne, I said, of course I would. Then we hugged and went our separate ways. The next morning, when I turned on my TV, I was faced with a world that had completely shifted overnight. Terrorists had flown planes into the World Trade Center, the Pentagon, and a field in Pennsylvania. The September 11th attacks had been instantly and indelibly seared into the world's consciousness. My roommate and I stared open-mouthed at the TV for hours, dumbfounded by a world in which something like this could happen. Then the phone rang. It was my boss at Jones. He wanted to make sure I knew we were open that day and that I was scheduled for the swing shift. He said that a lot of people weren't going to feel like cooking today and we needed to be there for them. As I got ready for work, I felt like I finally truly appreciated what it meant to work in the service industry. It was the worst day I could remember, but some things, the important things, were still the same. Jones was some small thing to lean on in a world that had been turned upside down. Though I had been looking forward to giving out heaping helpings of normalcy, my boss was a little off in his predictions. The place was completely empty, apart from a table of four Swiss tourists, and it stayed that way for a few hours. Then the door opened and in walked the couple from the day before. Those unstoppable smiles from 24 hours earlier had vanished, replaced with grim worry. When I sat them at a table, they confided that they just couldn't bring themselves to watch any more coverage of the day's events. They knew they needed Jones. They stayed for an hour or so, and we connected on a different level than the day before, carving out another bit of warm human connection in a cold and troubled world. When I hugged them goodbye again, it was more about support than celebration, but no less necessary. Hardly anyone else came in that night, but it was beyond worth it. I needed to be there, and so did they. I didn't see them again until the following September when they walked back into the bar, holding an invite to their grandson's first birthday party. They weren't going to let me out of the promise I'd made on September 10th, 2001.
The world might have changed, but I hadn't. Under normal circumstances, a one-year-old's birthday party is the last place you'll find me. But this was anything but normal, and there's nothing like a baby's laugh to restore your faith in humanity. And now it's time for our first guest, Kava Zemanian of Rabbit Hole. He and I got on the old Zoom recently, and here's how it went. So, with me now, well, not with me now, but uh, Zooming with me now, which is the new being with you now, is uh, Kava Zemanian, the CEO, founder, whiskey maker of Rabbit Hole, uh, Rabbit Hole, but there's more than whiskey maker now, and we're going to get to that in a second. But Kava, how are you, man? Doing great, Dan. Uh, it's good to be here. I'll just describe. You are in an amazing. It, it looks like a, a combination wine cellar slash whiskey uh, room. Yeah, that, that's exactly what it is. It's in my basement. Um, I affectionately call it my bourbon bunker, but I do have some bottles of wine here too. Looks like a good place to be holed up during a during a pandemic. So you're getting on okay. I mean, the, you. This is not an ideal time for anybody, uh, but you know, if there's any, I guess, silver lining in this is I'm I'm seeing that a lot of people are discovering, <laughs> discovering uh, adult beverages a little bit more, maybe because they're have they have more time on their hands. Yeah, you know, the good news is that people are still imbibing and they're imbibing, um, you know, in smaller congregations at their home. But um, you know, it is a challenging time, so we don't have any visitors coming to the distillery. Uh, we're still making whiskey, obviously, and other products, and uh, we've pitched in uh, making hand sanitizers and helping out the way we can. So uh, it's a tough time, but at the same time, you know, you got to do what you got to do. So you, you t- rabbit hole, by the way, I just to give the people the background on this. You, you started in 2012, right? That's when you started the brand. Yeah, yeah. Started putting exactly. out product in 2016. Correct. End of 2016. So tell us a little bit about the origin why, where'd you, why, why start rabbit hole? Yeah. you know, honestly, the, the why of this brand is because I wanted to make something original. I was kind of fed up as a consumer, um, seeing a lot of brands putting the same liquid in the bottle. And I thought I could do better. That was the beginning of it. I started, um, with a handful of recipes, started laying it down. That was probably the riskiest thing I did because, um, you didn't, you know, you don't know what's going to taste like four or five years down the road. And, that was the reason the name came to be because my wife kept saying, you know, you're going to take the family down the rabbit hole, putting all this money behind all this whiskey. You have no idea what it's going to taste like. I think, I think the first thing that I tried from you was maybe the, would it have been the cave Hill, the Kentucky straight bourbon? Yeah. Yeah. We have, that was our first um, Kentucky straight bourbon. It's a four grain bourbon that we released end of 16 and uh, secondary name. We call it cave Hill. It's kind of a nod, if you would, to all the, previous distillers that paved the way for us. Um, it's a beautiful whiskey expression and, uh, yeah, that's still going strong. And then you've got the boxer grail. That's a straight rye whiskey. Correct. That's a 95, five. It's a Kentucky straight. Um, what's unique about it really is, uh, the fact that we, uh, lay it down, um, and age it in some really special toasted and charred barrels. that just gives it a beautiful, beautiful finish. So to the neophyte out there, Tell a little bit about the, the the flavor profile. What would be the difference? I'm going out and I see the Cave Hill and then I, I see the Cave Hill, that's the the bourbon, and then I see the Boxer Grail, the rye. Profile-wise, what's the difference? Sure, sure. So um, basically with bourbons, you got 
you got to have at least 51% corn. In the case of Cave Hill, we have 70% corn. And corn, you know, as most people know, it's a little bit of a sweeter grain, if you would. The secondary flavoring grains in Cave Hill are um, malted um, barley and honey malted barley. And uh, we do also have malted wheat in there too. But that barley kind of makes it a little bit kind of a peatier uh, flavor. It's a unique expression because you don't have a barley as a secondary grain in most bourbons. But overall, Cave Hill is a, is a sweet, approachable, very soft, I think, um, uh, and buttery bourbon. Whereas Boxer Grail is 95% rye. And rye, as most people can tell, it's, it's a spicier grain, if you would. Now, the Boxer Grail is, I like to think about it as a combination of sweet and savory in some ways, in the sense that are spicy and sweet, because you got a lot of spice from the rye, but the barrels actually really soften it up and bring some citrus and floral notes to it. So if you, um, you know, are into a little bit of a spicier whiskey, I would say Boxster Grill. If you want a little bit softer, um, sweeter kind of uh, uh, bourbon, I would say Cave Hill. And now we're moving up. That's not all you got, though, in the portfolio there. Now, you've also got you've also got a, a bourbon whiskey finished in sherry casks, correct? Yeah, you know, actually, yeah, we have we have Derringer, which is a weeded bourbon that's finished in Pedro Jimenez sherry casks. Um, and that's just absolutely delicious. And we do have a, another Kentucky straight bourbon. It's called High Gold. Correct. And that's the one that's one where it's corn and the secondary flavor flavoring grain is is rye. So, um, you know, we're trying to cover the range of uh, whiskey profiles and flavor profiles. And that's basically the objective with the, these different offerings. Now, the high gold's relatively new, right? Just came out the end of last year. Correct. Correct. And how is that doing for you? You know, it's doing great. I think it's fascinating to me to, uh, to see people being drawn to different expressions. Um, I use the example of, you know, you take um, red wine, for example. Some people like Merlot, some people like Cab, some people like Zinfandel. I think in a sense, this is kind of the direction that we're going, try to cover the range of flavor profiles. And I think consumers are getting more and more sophisticated and uh, educating their own palates and are able to uh, make choices that fits their their palate. One of the questions I get a lot from, from people online, social media and stuff, is they'll ask me about different expressions from brands and, and which ones work best with various cocktails. So I'm just going to throw this out here. If you, the Cave Hill Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey you want somebody to really get a great idea about how this thing works. What cocktail would you recommend they try that, like the Cave Hill in? You know, Cave Hill for me is makes a great old fashioned. If you're looking at standard cocktails, I would say Cave Hill in an old fashioned is fantastic. Boxer Grail, um, I love a rye Manhattan. And this, uh, this uh, rye makes a phenomenal Manhattan. And um, I know we're going to be talking about our new release, our gin that's finished in our Boxer Grail. And that puppy makes an amazing Negroni. And then uh, what about, uh, we got the uh, Derringer. Am I saying that right? Derringer? Derringer. I Derringer. 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 I have a hard time. Derringer. Sure. The soft G. There we go. There you go. That's it. What about that one? That one, you know, honestly, I love to drink that meat straight up. And uh, it's just so, um, for me, it's a beautiful uh, after dinner drink um, bourbon. So after um, after a nice meal, I love to be able to finish that up either with a dessert or just on its own, kind of a um, late night nightcap. Okay, and you teased it. Uh, you got a brand new product out, uh, Rabbit Hole Bespoke Gin, 
which is a yeah. London dry gin. It's it, you, as you said, it's aged and finished in your boxer grail uh, barrels. Okay. And I've got some of that right here with me and I, 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 cheated and I had a little bit already before you came on. I don't necessarily always enjoy drinking gin neat. And I don't think most yeah. people do. But I got to tell you, this thing, I drink this seven days a week and twice on Sunday neat. I mean, this is delicious. So tell us about the origin of this gin. Thanks, man. Um, music to my ear. You know, I, I um, when I started drinking as a young man, uh, I used to drink Tangeray. And I love that kind of London dry expression. Um, but it was a, you know, kind of a, I was a gin and tonic guy. As I got older, um, I think my palate evolved and I wanted to make a gin that, as you said, you can drink it neat or makes an excellent martini. Um, and, uh, we decided to experiment with different kinds of wood and landed on the rye. Um, it cuts that juniper and brings out, um, really beautiful citrus and floral notes. And it just makes it a lot more subtle, um, and uh and you can drink it neat and like you said um it's it's just every day um you can drink it like that so what what went into the thinking behind doing a gin i mean obviously rabbit hole is it's a whiskey brand or has been no yeah you know it's principally speaking i feel that um you know spirits is a way that we express our kind of cultural uh touch points right so to me the english make phenomenal gin right so the idea was, how do we marry a beautiful London dry uh, that we source from G&J distilleries in, in England, bring it to Kentucky, and marry it with our Kentucky barrels? So uh, we kind of put our fingerprints on it by aging it, maturing it in our rye whiskey barrels. That's the idea. So this is kind of the philosophy that we, we've adopted, and, I, and I'm doing it with a lot of different things. The Pedro Jimenez Sherry Cast is an expression of that, too, that we bring in these you know, cherry finished uh, barrels from uh, Spain and finish it, uh, finish our weeded bourbon in it. So the same thing with gin, it was the same thing. How do we bring two cultures and two traditions, two different spirits and be able to marry them together to see if we can make a, a beautiful fusion of, um, of gin. I love the nose on this. There's, I'm getting a lot of cedar on there and I'm getting a little bit, you know, some sweetness to a little honey on the nose on this. It's a really just inviting gin. And I, and I, and I, I tell people this all the time. I mean, the nose is what primes your palate, gets you going, you're ready to go. And this thing right away, I want to drink this as soon as I smell it. And, and, uh, I'm getting all sorts of, I'm getting all sorts of things on the nose. And then on the palate, as I said, I mean, I could just drink this. I put it, put an ice cube in there and just, it's like sipping on a whiskey. It really is. It really is. It really is. The barrels just do a, do wonders with this liquid and uh, just take it to a whole nother level. Um, I get a lot of floral actually on the nose, which is, you know, it's just, and when I, when I taste it, it comes through too. some, I don't know if people like rose water, but there's a little bit of a rose kind of flavor to it as well, which is, which you don't really get in a gin. That's for sure. And it's interesting. You mentioned, you know, obviously the Negroni is, is blown up. Uh, in recent years, that cocktail's blown up. In fact, there's a video circulating right now, widely with Stanley Tucci yeah. making. Apparently, he made it with vodka or something. Though. I'm not sure how that. I didn't watch the video, but people are always trying to find the great Negroni, and a gin like this is really complex. And I think it's going to add some oomph to a Negroni that you that you might not normally get. Without a doubt. And you want to change it up. And that's what I was telling. I actually saw that video and I was telling a buddy of mine, it's like, try our rabbit hole bespoke gin 
Instead of Campari, put Aperol in it. So bring in the rabbit hole gin with Aperol and a little sweet vermouth, and you get a slightly subtle difference of the traditional Negroni. It takes it, again, to a whole nother level. And these are just subtle things that really, I think, improves uh, a base cocktail. On a, per, on a drink like that, would you still go one, one, one proportions, one part of each? Yeah, I went a little bit heavier on the gin, a little lighter on the vermouth, and kept the Aperol at one. Um, and it just, for me, it worked out really well. What's, uh, Kava, what's the retail on the gin? So the gin is um, in the mid-40s. Okay. And this is just out, right? I mean, this you just released this. Just released it, yeah. And, um, you know, I mean, it's a beautiful package. Um, I love the package, by the way. This is one of the things that um, it's one of my um, yeah, let me hold that passions. You know, with, yeah, the package design, bottling design is a big part of kind of what I get excited about is in addition to the liquid. So um, new package, new bottle. It distinguishes it from our whiskeys. And, um, and again, I think the, the proof is in the bottle. The liquid is fantastic. We talked at the beginning of the show about things are difficult right now. And obviously in the, uh, on-premise isn't happening necessarily. I mean, people are selling cocktails out the door, I guess, to go, but, uh, you know, there's a struggle and it's, and it's real. One of the things that, that happened recently was the big tales of the cocktail festival every year down in new Orleans, which is kind of like the Oscars meets spring break for the, uh, for the spirits industry that has been, it's not been canceled, but not going to be on site. A lot of stuff's going to be happening, I think online, but rabbit hole, you just got involved with, with them, the tales of the cocktail foundation for something called the hashtag to dream inside campaign. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. You know, so um, first of all, we want to support our partners on the front lines. I think these are the guys that have been hit hard. Uh, bar and restaurant people. And these are the guys that at, at the end, they represent us day in, day out, and we wanted to do something about it. So the True Dream campaign um, was essentially loosely based on this idea of um, our mantra, find what you love and go all in. That's what I did. I basically chucked everything I was doing before because I was really passionate about opening up um, my distillery and building a brand. and um, And here we are. So the idea is we're all inside now. We got to do what we got to do. I think it's a time actually, ironically, to be able to look inside, take some time, step back, and really think about what is it that gives you personally, each person, a sense of meaning. So the idea is find your dream, whatever that is. I don't care what it is. um, And, you know, post it online. And every time you post it, you uh, tag a couple of friends, um, hashtag number two dream inside. We give essentially $2, upwards of $200,000 to Tales of the Cocktail Foundation to support uh, bartenders that are uh, struggling right now. Which is probably most of them. I mean, it's a, it's a scary time. I don't know many bartenders who weren't living shift to shift. And uh, yeah. the thought of, you know, this is, for me, it's week seven. And uh, yeah. I'm, I know how much I'm missing going to bars and having that camaraderie and that and everything that goes along with it. But I know I'm missing that. And, and I know that a lot of my bartender friends are, are having a hard time getting by right now. So I think it's great that you're doing that. Um, you mentioned dreams. So what, what were you doing before rabbit hole? I was a psychologist. I was uh, in practice and uh, also teaching in Chicago. I did that for about 20 years. Um, and I met my wife and she turned me on to bourbon and we started coming down to Kentucky. Now this is 16, 17 years ago. And I just got the bug. And when we moved out here 
in 08, I finally said, you know what, um, I got to make a change. And, uh, and we did it. And you got in right at the right time because things are just blowing up in Kentucky. And, and, and I know that it's going to be, you know, look tough now, but that's coming back and it's going to happen again, especially the Kentucky bourbon trail there. And you guys, uh, opened up, a, a kind of a, an all inspiring distillery there, right? Can you tell us a little bit about your facility there and, in Kentucky. Yeah, the distillery is the distillery is amazing. It's really one of a kind, um, fully immersive experience um, in the heart of Louisville. And um, you know, last year we had about forty thousand visitors before COVID. And uh, I'm sure that we're going to come back, and we're going to come back stronger because Kentuckians are resilient and Americans are resilient. We're going to get past this. Uh, but it's an amazing distillery. We um, it packs a punch. I mean, we produce about twenty thousand barrels a year. And really the commitment behind that, not to just talk about the number, the number really signifies that we're here to play. Um, I put everything on the line, all my savings went all in, making sure that we've got uh, investment behind it so we can, you know, essentially survive all these types of tough times. And we're the next big American whiskey brand out of Kentucky. That's our goal. To have a brand like Rabbit Hole, you are a new kid on the block, but you got in, you were embraced right away by the not only the top whiskey critics our friend Fred Minnick I know loves the brand a lot of the, a lot of the, the old time whiskey writers that had to be that had to feel very gratifying for you to come in and and because it's got to be scary when you're when you're walking amongst the giants when you're coming in and you see oh there's there's Eddie and Jimmy Russell over there and and you know there's even the even ones that aren't that old that are a little bit old like Wes at, at Angel's Envy and and these various guys were you worried at all like they're going to go, oh, shit, I don't fit in here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, initially, yeah, but I gotta sh- I'm going to show you something since you brought it up because this is a testament to um, the people in Kentucky. He's, so grabbing, I, he's grabbing a big, giant box that yeah, has... I'm grabbing this box because I want you to see it firsthand. This is a box that we um, was given to me the day we um, broke ground um, for the distillery. And what you see, maybe a lot of people won't be able to get to see it. It's a signature of all the master distillers in Kentucky. Let me tell you the names I'm looking at. Bill Samuels, obviously legend for Maker's Mark. There's Fred No yeah. from Jim Beam, Jimmy Russell, Wild Turkey. I mean, man, you got everybody. Who's, oh, uh, Four Roses, everybody's on there. Everybody's on there. And, and that's the, I'm showing you this just to tell you how remarkable, um, this industry is, and the folks in this industry, that they completely embraced me, coming from the outside, no previous experience. You know, Jimmy Rutledge, Larry Ebersol, these guys um, took me under their wings, showed me how to distill, and more importantly, really opened their arms and uh, and helped us uh, get off the ground when it really came down to it. Um, no stones thrown, um, everybody um, with open arms. It's a great story. It really is. And, and you know, cause there have, I mean, I'm going to be frank. There have been a lot of brands, you know, when, when, when this all exploded, the craft cocktail renaissance that happened 20 some years ago that started, that's now in full bloom, uh, and will be again soon. Certainly, uh, you know, a lot of brands come out and I got to be honest, I don't love them all. 
there's a lot of there's a lot of people that got into the game for the wrong reasons and it sound like it sounds like you certainly got in for the right reasons because and those are the ones that make it oh i i that's without a doubt because i do see and i don't want to just say celebrities but i'll see people that you know made a bunch of money in finance and they look at it and they go you know what here's another great investment for me let me get in here and it's an investment and almost without fail anytime i see that i go this is going to be shit you know, and it might even be, they might even have hired somebody, might even hired a top guy. They make it and it, maybe it's even good juice right up front. But with the passion isn't there for not only making it and putting out the best product, but the lifestyle and the commitment it's going to take, because this is a long-term commitment. Barrel aging spirits is a long-term commitment. And, uh, you gotta have, you gotta have the right attitude going in and you do. Well, I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, that's one of the things I got to tell, say about these guys that they, um, can tell the difference between who's genuine and who's phony. Um, and I think that especially given the fact that they knew that I stuck my neck out and didn't just go out and buy source liquid and put it in the bottle and took the time to learn, um, lay my own barrels down. Um, I think it meant a lot. These guys, I, I think I earned their respect that I'm here to do something genuine and more importantly, uh, contribute to what's already out there and not just take. Kavazamanian. Uh, rabbit hole. If you guys want to check out rabbit hole, you can go to at rabbit hole and that's on the Instagram. Uh, also on Facebook, you go to rabbit hole distillery. It, it really is delicious. It really is delicious spirit and the gin. Uh, it's exciting, man. It's an exciting time for you. And, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I got a bottle. <laughs> Thank you, Dan. Thanks for sending it. me. Thanks Always. for sending me whiskey. I needed here, but, uh, it was great catching <laughs> up with you, man. It's been a few years. And, uh, you know, right before we came on air, Kyle and I were talking about, there's a really great festival that happens the last three years in, in Louisville called bourbon and beyond and listeners to this show know we did a bunch of episodes from there this year. We had some great guests on, and unfortunately, that has become another victim of that. That's been canceled. But that's where I met Kava at the very first one uh, a couple of years yeah. ago. And so let's make this commitment right now. You and I will be tipping back some rabbit hole next year at Bourbon and Beyond when it definitely happens. 100%. 100%. Cheers, Cheers. my friend. Thank you so much. Be safe. Take care. Support for What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn comes from Manscaped the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Listen, folks, when it comes to dating, it's a jungle out there. But when you do find someone who wants to take you home, you better make sure it's not a jungle down there. That's why I use Manscaped, a revolutionary electric trimmer that makes accidents a thing of the past. Their Lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary skin-safe technology, so this trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts. Take my word on this. No, seriously, you don't want to Google snag your nuts. It's going to take you down a dark road. Another reason to get Manscaped is that you don't want to use the same trimmer on your face as you're using on your balls. That's just nasty. Oh, and Manscaped also has the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why not use it on the smelliest part of your body? Get 20% off and free shipping with the code DRINKING at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code DRINKING. And always use the right tools for the job. Always use Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. Look, folks, now is not the time to overpay for razors at the drugstore. And frankly, 
you shouldn't be venturing into drugstores at all if you can avoid it. Harry's knows this. That's why they ship directly to you, so you can experience the quality of a Harry's shave in just a few days from the convenience and safety of your own home. One of the things that's keeping me sane during quarantine is sticking to my familiar routines, like shaving with my Harry's razor. Just the scent of that shave gel alone reminds me of what normal feels like. You know, you're going to shave, go out for the day, and normal's a good feeling. So why Harry's? Well, it's a return to the essentials. Quality, durable blades at a fair price, just $2 per blade. They've cut out the middleman. They use a German manufacturer that's been honing precision blades for a century, and those high-quality blades go straight from that manufacturer's factory to you. Also, Harry's is super convenient. You get refills delivered directly to your door on your schedule with or without a subscription. 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, you let Harry's know and they'll give you a full, not a half, not a quarter, full refund. And you can feel good about the purchase. 1% of the proceeds are set aside for nonprofit organizations devoted to helping provide access to better health care. And the veterans are included in that as well. So we got a special offer right now for my listeners. Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Go to Harry's, H-A-R-R-Y-S dot com slash drinking. Harry's dot com slash drinking. You'll get a weighted ergonomic handle for a firm grip, five blade razor with a lubricating strip and a trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel with aloe. Keep your skin hydrated. Very important. You get a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy to grab on the go. Again, go to harrys.com slash drinking to start shaving better today or whenever it shows up. Hi, this is Harry Lennox from The Blacklist, and you're listening to the five-time keg stand champ of Northeast Philadelphia, Dan Dunn. Yeah, that's right. He's Commander Locke from the Matrix movies. He's Dresser from the Five Heartbeats. He's Calvin Swanwick from the Justice League. FBI Director Harold Cooper on NBC's The Blacklist. And best of all, he's a solid, solid dude. Uh, And let's go right now to our interview with the great Harry Lennox. Boy, it's always a pleasure to catch up with this this fine gentleman that's joining me now. Not in person. We are social distancing. We are distancing to the tune of about 3,000 miles, but I can see him right here on my little Zoom on my computer. Old friend of the show, old friend of mine, a dear friend of mine, Mr. Harry Lennox. How are you, man? Dan Dunn, I'm, I'm doing great. Uh, thank you very much. We're here in New York City. I'm uh, right, in, right looking at Central Park, actually. And uh, it seems like it's opening up a little bit, but I'm good. Thank you. So you're you're in New York because you, of course, star on the NBC hit series, The Blacklist. Where were you guys at in production when this hit? Well, we had four more episodes. We were in the middle of episode 19 out of 22. So 19, 22, 22. So we had three and a half more to shoot. They were going to finish the 19th episode by animating the second half of it. So all the stuff that we did not shoot in live action. They're going to actually finish with animation, which is a great uh, solution. I think I could certainly sure. use the paycheck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but and all you got to do is voiceover yeah, from uh, the apartment uh, kind of thing. Is that all you got to do then is just do your voiceover? Well, I did, you know, as it, as it turned out, I shot all of my stuff. So 
uh, I don't have to do anything in terms of finishing the episode, but the other actors do. So okay. they're sending them equipment and all of that. Uh, but, you know, we have every belief that we're going to finish. Well, we're going to start next season on time, we think. So that would be July, maybe August. I knows, hope so, even man. September. Yeah. Well, I do. I do need you to come back to L.A. Uh, Harry. Harry has good parties. <laughs> Harry lives by me. And uh, I'm not ashamed to say that I have uh, I have imbibed numerous times at Harry's place, uh, usually sometimes for 30 days in, in a row. Uh, we've been over there, but uh, a lot of fun. So, hey, speaking of imbibing. You bring the liquor, Dad. Yeah, you bring the liquor. That's right. Well, I got you some here. Uh, I, I wanted to share a toast with you. We can't do it in person, so I wanted to be drinking the same thing. Obviously, we're drinking Rabbit Hole on this episode. So you got yourself a bottle of the Rabbit Hole High Gold, which is a Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey. You got some with you right now? Got liquor right there. Are you doing it straight, or you? Uh, what do you got? No, I just got a nice big old ice cube in it. I got one of those, you know, fancy big ice cubes uh, and, and drink it as straight because it's very smooth. I have to say, I I, uh, I didn't wait entirely for you, Dan. I, <laughs> when I got the bottle, I wanted to, of course, do a quality control. And so uh, you got to make sure we didn't send you some shit here. You know, yeah, of course. And uh, well, I made yeah, I actually I actually made a cocktail with this when I did a Kentucky mule. So obviously okay. that's a variation on the Moscow mule. That's made with bourbon. So this one's easy, as you can see, Harry here. If you guys want to go to my Instagram at the Imbiber, I'll have a little video up there as well. You can see I got the old, they got the copper mug, proper copper mug for Moscow Mule. This Kentucky Mule. So all that is is you take two ounces of bourbon, you take a half, you juice a half a lime into the mug, you put a couple ice cubes in there, pour in two ounces of bourbon, or if you're you and I, three ounces of bourbon, uh, and then and then you top it off with about six ounces of ginger beer. Stir it up a little slightly there, and you got a nice chill drink because it's starting to get warm out here in Los Angeles. So it kind of feels like this kind of a refreshing drink. So cheers to you, my friend. Cheers to you. That sounds like a great recipe. Could you? You're gonna. You said that's on your website. Or I'll put that up on. Find? I'll put that on the Instagram, and you, I can just text it to you. Um, but great. we'll we'll also try some of this and neat uh, in a, in a second too because I want to kind of get. I always like drinking whiskey with Harry. You appreciate the whiskey. It's not like you just, oh, let me just, we've got, we've had some really great conversations about some of the stuff that I brought over. And, you know, that's, that's that thing I think that we're missing. Uh, right. That communal aspect of getting together and sharing this thing. I mean, it's nice to be doing it this way, but let's face it, it it'll be a lot nicer to do it in person. So how yeah, are, right. are you doing a lot of these, uh, a lot of these virtual happy hours, powwows? This is uh, I, you are. Uh, this is my maiden voyage, so to speak, Dan. I uh, haven't done one now. Oh wow! So. I feel special now, and I hope everybody out there in the audience appreciates this. Harry Lennox doesn't get out of bed and Zoom for just anybody. He's nope. here now. Nope. By the way, if you also want to go check out this video, you can see my. I got a new. Uh, you like this backdrop, right? <laughs> <laughs> It reminds me of like a high school musicals that we used to do. We used to do high school music. They were red at backdrop. Like we would do Oliver Twist. They would read the, uh, the Oliver Twist. It looks just like that. It's just so you know, nice I, I bought a, uh, I bought a, <laughs> I bought a backdrop. That's like one of those cheap photo. It looks like an old timey bar. It was like 30 bucks. And I bought a thing and you just hang it up. And I've been putting it behind me and, and pretending like it's a real bar. But uh, yeah. It's the best. It's the closest it's I'm going to get to a real bar. So you're saying maybe July, August. Is there any chance of you coming back to Los Angeles? Can you even do that? I mean, 
I think that's a very good question, right? Somebody asked me that uh, five minutes ago. They said, you know, are you guys allowed to leave? Are you allowed to come into New York? And and my quite my answer to that is I don't think I would be allowed to come into L.A. because, you know, we're such uh, the hot spot. I think more than like almost half of the cases are here in the New York, New Jersey area in the whole country. And so this is a very dense population. So I doubt it. Uh, and then these airplanes seem even though they've cut back on all of the flights, some of these flights are very full. And, you know, I, I actually think that I had this coronavirus, Dan. I was in New Orleans on March 14th and 15th at a conference. This was before everybody knew all of the, you know, specifics and the details about how this thing is spread. Uh, so I was on a plane. I was in a conference. I was shaking people's hands at that point. I had sanitizer, but, you know, sure. that's not really going to... So I think that I had it because I couldn't taste anything for two or three days uh, about a week after that. So did you um, get that's were you sick? Were you having any respiratory issues or anything like that? No. The only symptoms I had is I couldn't taste or smell for two days. Gotcha. Three days. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that sucked. That sucks for whiskey. Yeah. It's it really, really sucks makes all the whiskey just taste like water. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> if you couldn't taste or smell, could you imagine how drunk you'd get? Oh, man. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. But, um, I don't have to imagine it cause I did get truck. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so you're, you're, you're there, you're quarantining in New York. I mean, do you even get, do you get to go out and at least walk around or is that not a good idea in New York city either? Well, you can, but I tell you, you know, because the weather's starting to change, you get a little bit nicer out here, although not in the last couple of days, uh, people are out there in central park, like crazy. Like, so you, you don't, know, don't necessarily think- want to do that, right? No. No, it's it's busy out there, and uh, I think it'd be hard to maintain social distance well, out and there. So you have the added complication of being a celebrity, which is I guess you don't think about that. It's like because <laughs> think about how much people come up to you. You know, hey, hi, hey, hi. Can I get a picture? Can I? What's going to happen with that? You might have well, taken your last the, picture for a few years with fans, right? Seriously. The, one of the best, one of the upsides about this from that point of view is that everybody's got a mask on. So you don't know who the hell. I guess so. <laughs> yeah. Now. I mean, you, you right? got to figure, so, you got to figure like the Brad Pitts of the world and people like that are just going, eh, that ain't so bad. Now I, can, so bad. Now I can go yeah. out. I can put a, right? literally I can put a bandana on my face, a hat. No one's going to know who I am and, and, uh, and go out. See silver linings. We're all about silver lining. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to, do you want to try a little bit? You, you're doing it. So you got this with a, a cube, right? I'm going to, I want to try a little, because again, one of my favorite pastimes is enjoying whiskey with my friend Harry Lennox. So I'm going to pour a little bit of the high gold. All right. And and let me tell you a little bit about it. Okay. This is, it's, it's a high gold. It's Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey, but they call it a high rye whiskey. Do you know what that means, Harry, when they say it's a high rye no. whiskey? All right. So Bourbon's got to have 51% corn in the mash bill in order to be bourbon. This one, though, has so that has that as I think it's more than that. I think it's up to uh, uh, like close to 70%. But they have a a very high rye content with the rest of the mash bill, um, which kind of places a really sort of distinctive twist on it. You know, having this, it gives it now. Well, you know, before I say what I'm getting, I want to I want to hear what you're what are you getting when you on the nose on this? I mean, I, I, I get caramel. I'm sure that's probably a standard uh, thing. Um, yeah, there's a definite sweetness to it, and I think that's sort of that toffee caramel thing, yep. And then if you taste it, I think that's going to follow right through. 
You getting any of that yeah. but, but butterscotch and that citrus? It does have a butterscotch. Yeah. yeah. But then the thing, the main thing is about this, Harry, with a high rise, you get that spice, right? It's not, I do get some it's spice. A, it's a yeah. spicy bird. And that's, that's all coming from the rye, you know? Okay. Which I think makes this, uh, and by the way, just to give you what that mash bill is, it is 70% corn, 25% malted rye, and then 5% malted barley. Okay. And you're even getting a little bit of that peatiness to it. I think that's coming in from the, from the barley. Now this is 95 proof, which is 47 and a half percent ABV. So it's a, it's a, you know, it's got a little oomph to it, yeah. but this yeah. is it. This is the way you're doing it right now with over ice is a great way to drink this. But I got to tell you, it's really holding up well with the lime and the ginger beer in this, uh, Kentucky mule. So Hopefully you've found an, another new favorite here. Oh, definitely would try Rabbit Hole. Rabbit Hole looks vaguely familiar to me. I think they might sell it uh, at my favorite restaurant, Tuscany Steakhouse downstairs. Well, what's what's uh, cool about this one? And you know, I just talked to Kava, who's the owner of the brand, about it. And he talked. Is they're they're new? I mean, the, he launched it in it, he okay. he founded it in 2012 and launched his first uh, bottlings in 2016, and. That's going to be hit or miss. There's a lot of brands that have come out since then that are gone, but he right. was immediately because he makes really good whiskey. Yep. It's a very good whiskey. I could tell, as you say, it holds up. It's got a nice structure to it. It's got, uh, you know, but it's not overpowering. It's not overwhelming. It isn't, it's not, doesn't have a, a heavy bite, but it's got, uh, but you know that you're drinking something that has an impact on you. I love the bottle, by the way, the shoulders and all of that stuff on it. It's a really cool. Does that, does that, how much does that matter to you, Harry, when you're going out and you're, you go to the liquor store and you're going to pick something up, does do, how much do aesthetics matter to you? Like, can you be swayed by the, a really good looking bottle? Absolutely. Like I'm, uh, you know, they always talk about, you can't tell a book by its cover, but you know, uh, it's even truer in terms of whiskey or spirits or, or that sort of thing. But if something is packaged really well, uh, and it looks like it was, it's a higher end type of thing or that somebody knows what they're doing with it. Like with this bottle, I, I would definitely give it a shot. Because again, it, it's, as you alluded, it speaks to a level of care that right. you hope when, even if you don't know anything about the brand and you're going to go buy the bottle, you hope that translates, you know, into right. what's inside the bottle. Now, when you're, when you're drinking whiskey, do you, t- are you generally neat or on the rocks or do you like to make, cocktails i prefer on the rocks uh i drink uh, i i don't typically do whiskey cocktails like if i'm going to do a cocktail it'll be vodka or gin or something of that nature but with whiskey i typically don't although the uh this mule the bourbon mule sounds really refreshing so i would try that are you a uh are you a when you're out, when whenever that returns, when we can go back out again, is it the same deal there? When you're going to a bar, do you like to go? Because I know you, you know, you and I've been out to some really cool places in New York and also in Los Angeles. Do you, when you're in a place where you know that you've got craftsmen back there, you crafts crafts people, excuse me, making the drinks. Do you want to try that? Do you ever roll the dice and go dealers to it? Make me what you want. I think you and I are cut from the same cloth in that way, Dan. I, I uh, you know, if I'm in somebody's hands and they're a good, and I know they're a good bartender, or I know the people involved in any kind of way, or it's an established place. Like there are places, obviously, in Midtown Manhattan, 
where you know the guys are from Ireland and and you kind of you just trust them that they know what they're, what they're doing. What is it about that? And they say, "Why don't you try?" This? Why is it? I, you know, I you know I was just in Ireland a couple months ago. Seems like a couple right. of years ago. It was two months ago, but when I was over in Ireland, why is it when someone has an Irish when they have the Irish brogue, you're like. This cat knows what he's doing. He could be the most inept bartender of all time, but if he speaks with that, I go, oh, this guy knows. Yeah. He's Irish. There's just something, that, there's just something about him that seems like they're, they're fun guys. Yeah. You know, generally. <laughs> like, so you'll try. Yeah. He's Irish. He's got to know what he's doing. I mean, Jesus, look at him. Exactly. You know, his whole family's been drinking since he was six. Yeah. He's been, you know, uh, and I say this is uh, Dunn, my last name, Dunn. So what, how are you, I'm curious what you're, obviously you're not working on the show. What are you doing professionally? Are you, are you just trying to develop stuff or do you have any vision of what things are going to look like when this is over? Well, nobody knows what it's going to look like. Uh, but that uh, said, yes, I am developing things. I'm actually writing a script right now. I'm trying to write a musical. Uh, I'm not going to write the music obviously, but, uh, uh, although I play a little bit, I'm not going to write the music, but I'm writing the book to a well-known gospel story. Um, and I am trying to, we have pitched meetings, uh, with people in the industry out in, um, in Los Angeles. I was telling you a little bit about that. So we had one with TriStar the other day. Um, and you know, they were, they kind of took a pass, although they were saying that they might be interested if we develop it a little bit more. So, yeah, I mean, my days are just as busy as they were before this whole thing started. And then, in terms of self care, you got a piano there in the place. You've been you've been playing a lot of piano. Fair amount of piano, yeah, absolutely. Um, I actually did. A, I do Instagram live, like uh, I guess you call it live. But I do Instagram postings on Sunday, and so I played a version of Blackbird. Oh, it was so great! Oh, thanks. <laughs> People like Blackbird was Paul McCartney wrote that about the civil rights movement, right? I don't know. I didn't know that. I, I believe that. that. I believe that. Okay. I, I've heard him say in interviews that Blackbird was about the civil rights movement. It makes perfect sense. Just if you listen to the lyrics, you know, take these broken wings and learn to fly. You've always waited for this moment to arrive. It's it, it's a perfect fit. I mean, I, I've always thought about it as a kind of anthem uh, for black people, kind of almost lullaby for uh, almost any circumstance for African-Americans you know, dealing with a struggle. You're talking about this black bird who's going to take sunken eyes, broken wings, all of these kinds of what might be seen as disadvantages and make the most out of them. So that's how I've seen it. I didn't know that until you said that though. So thank you. I found that I've been gravitating towards that kind of music as well. Like the stuff that I've known, it's the comfort food of music. So the Beatles and the Stones and Marvin Gaye and, and a lot of that stuff that I, as opposed to, you know, that maybe the newer stuff, because I think it's like a blanket, you know, <laughs> we kind of need right. that right now. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's something about, you know, the songs that are that are in our kind of conscience that are sort of deep, deep rooted there. There's a reason for that. And uh, I think because there's something true about them, we try to, you know, titillate ourselves with new stuff, or new sounds, lyrics. You know, I, one of my kind of exercises as an actor is I'm always trying to learn a, a new speech or some words, you know, just because that keeps the brain active and so forth. But at this particular point, going back to basics, going back to the kind of foundational songs, lyrics, uh, exercises that even one does as a piano player, um, 
I get a lot of comfort from that these days. Well, it makes me feel good to know that you're being comforted, Harry. Appreciate that. No, and I, and, <laughs> no, and I mean that, man. I mean, yeah, it's like, um, I worry about, you know, I'm sure you do. Uh, we all do, but I mean, you know, you worry about your friends and you worry about how they're keeping up because we are, everybody's embracing this kind of stuff, right? I'm doing these. I do these a lot. I've got my, you know, my Philly boys, we do a, uh, we do a happy hour every Friday. We get on FaceTime and there's five of us and we usually spend 90 minutes to two hours on the phone. We just talk, we talk sports, we do this. And it's amazing how quickly it's become normal. This is feel, you know, this is the new normal for right now, but then you have these moments. And I think everybody out there is probably having those where you go, Oh fuck. Like how many, how much more can I do this? I I want, I miss uh, human contact, man. I really do. And, and when I, when I have these moments like this, where I catch up with friends on the computer, I'm grateful for it, but I'm, it also, there's also a, a sadness underlying that this is the way we're doing it and not knowing when that's not going to be the case. There's this real psychological impact. I think that has where you're telling yourself, I must avoid other people. I must avoid contact. I can't hug. I can't handshake. I can't do all these things that we've all taken for granted for our entire lives. You know, I think about when, what that's going to be like to be able to do it again. Yeah. I think it's something like a, a steak, you know, it's like a, I don't know what the material was. They take a steak and drive it through a vampire's heart. <clears throat> but it seems like this is that. And that, and I say that because already the kind of interactions that humans had on a, on a person-to-person basis was already deteriorating in many ways. You know, people, when we were kids, of course, I'm, a, I'm older than you, but when we were kids, you're a Philly kid, I'm a Chicago kid. We were out in the streets all day, all night, you know, playing sports and, oh, yeah. and chasing girls. <laughs> That's what thing. we were out, we were active. And then, you know, people, people started, you know, playing these games. They got, they're on their screens all day. All of that. So it was already sort of fracturing and balkanizing in a certain way. I'm, you know, I was looking at people having dinner, couples on a date having dinner, oh, and they're both on their heads fucking down. phones. Yeah. And so already that was happening. And this thing now actually gives people a reason not to interact in a way. So I, I don't know, man. I, I think that depending on how this thing lasts, unless there's a vaccine, and, and you know, conspiratory conspiracist that I am to some extent. Uh, I have a feeling that there might be a vaccine or at least a kind of plausible one, especially if this did develop uh, or come out of China with that population, that density, if they are really on the decline and all of that, there must be some other reason than they didn't allow people, you know, to hang out and so forth. There must be something that out, that's out there that is a in place of a vaccine. But in that, in any event, that's the only thing that I think uh, can turn this around because people were already disintegrating as kind of nuclear unit. All I know is I just need to meet somebody and then move to a cabin with her and never leave. That's, <laughs> that's my new goal. And I'm going to write screenplays. And I'm going to give them to you, and you'll produce them. I'll I'll have them shipped from my <laughs> top secret cottage in Wyoming, and uh, that's going to be the rest of my yeah. life. There it is. Now, now, Dan, I have to ask you: How long do you think that you could you could put up with uh, one person <laughs> in a cabin? 
Harry's speaking in as Wyoming. A, he's speaking as a man who knows me. Uh, well, you know, grass is all the way. Too, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It'd be uh, you've seen The Shining, right? Yeah. I said I think I know The Shining by heart at this point. <laughs> I'm living it. That's right. Well, listen, I'm going to. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to keep you. I know you got a busy uh, schedule. What do you got tonight? You anything? Let me see. Check your calendar. Uh, let's see. <laughs> more drinking with kitchen more, <laughs> more more whiskey with me off the air. Man, it it is uh, great to catch up with you, uh, and I'm glad you, you you look good. You look healthy. Keeping in shape. Yep, I'm uh, doing you know little exercises here in, indoors. You look good yourself. You look like you lost some some weight there. Yeah, I've been swimming at your pool, and nobody's told you. Hop in your fence. <laughs> I actually, I actually thought of it. You know what? Why don't I do that? Yeah. Now that I think about it, maybe I'll just head over there and yeah, nobody's going to catch me. Uh, Harry Lennox, the blacklist is airing now. Yes. Yep. Yeah. And how many more yes. episodes before 19? I think like three, maybe Friday three nights, more, two more. Friday nights, right? Friday nights, NBC and, uh, any movies out? Anything else we're plugging right now? I actually had a movie that was going to be coming out called Emperor, which was about the uh, rebellion at Harper's Ferry. Of course, one of the things that sort of precipitated the Civil War. Uh, the great uh, John Brown and his sons, of course, raided Harper's Ferry in Virginia. Uh, so I was playing Frederick Douglass in that, or I do play Frederick so, uh, Douglass in that, so that's coming out. I think also... My buddy Angus McFadden, who you know, the great actor, ah, as uh, Robert the Bruce from Scott, Robert the Scott. Bruce from. By the way, there's a wild myth. When I talk about Harry's parties, <laughs> drink, <laughs> drinking and playing pool and swimming with Robert the Bruce with with Angus with Robert the Bruce. So wait, you got a project with Angus? Yes. Well, we have a. He's got a movie that's number one in pre-sales on iTunes now called Robert the Bruce. Uh, so it is his own movie he co- he co-wrote the script he stars as the Bruce the great Jared Harris the great uh, uh, uh another great Irish should have should have won the Emmy for Chernobyl have. he was uh, Jared Harris was the lead in Chernobyl wait it's you Angus and Jared are all in this I'm not in it but oh. they are uh but Angus and I are in a production of Macbeth it's called Macbeth Unhinged and so I'm in that and uh I'm helping him produce that so that should be coming out pretty soon as well. But okay, um, but yeah, so I've got some things moving around. Harry Lennox, everybody, follow him on. Oh, and what's you're on? Uh, you what are you you're on Twitter, right? Are you on Instagram too? Yeah, you're on Instagram. Duh, I watch. Yeah, what's your Instagram yeah. at? Uh, Twitter, I think, is at Harry Lennox or or whichever one, and then the other one is hashtag Harry Lennox, L E N N I X, Harry Lennox. You stay here. So I'm turning off the recorder. I'm here, Harry Lennox, everybody. Welcome to the third race at the Honeymoon is Over Downs. They're at the gate, and they're off. Jumping out in the lead is Romance and Affection, with Domestic Bliss in close behind. It's Romance and Affection and Domestic Bliss. Here comes Marriage Vows, followed by Immediate Child. Romance and Affection falling off quickly. Mortgaged up the ass, overtaking Domestic Bliss. And here comes Nasty Attitude, followed by More Children and Drinking Heavily. Coming down the backstretch, Drinking Heavily, moving out in front of Mortgaged up the ass. But coming on strong on the outside is Credit in Shambles. It's Credit in Shambles, followed by I Don't Give a Shit. Nasty Attitude and Up Yours Keep. Up yours, Keith challenging for a second, going into the clubhouse turn. 
passing on the rail as I don't give a shit, taking the lead. Followed by the fucking house. You cook like shit, and I fucked your brother. Here they come, spinning out of the turn. I don't give a shit, still in front. Up yours, keep challenging for the lead. Up yours, keep, and I don't give a shit, neck and neck. And down the stretch they come. Up yours, keep is pulling away from I don't give a shit by a length. Coming on strong is I am out of here, and passing the pack is the fucking house. And at the wire, it's up yours, keep the fucking house. I don't give a shit, and I am out of here. Yeah, somebody sent me that, and you know I'm looking at pretty much everything people are sending me, and I think that's a great way to end uh, <laughs> this episode. That cracks me up. Ah, that just cracks me up so much. I want to thank Kavazamanian of Rabbit Hole. Love that whiskey, and I love that new gin. Also, actor Harry Lennox. Check him out on The Blacklist every Friday night, 8 p.m. on NBC. Thanks to my buddy Eric E.T. Tukoski for that great story, September. Coming soon to a bookstore near you, I hope. Again, I invite you to follow me on Instagram and Twitter at The Imbiber. On the next episode, I'll be chatting with adult film star Sarah Vandella. You really should come for that one. See what I just did there? Yeah, I'm clever. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Where the hell did our music go? Come back, music. Oh, there we go. It's back. Uh, stay safe, everyone, and remember the immortal words of Albert Einstein. There are only two ways to live your life. One is as though nothing is a miracle. The other is as though everything is a miracle. <laughs>